Episode 35 During one of his increasingly rambling philosophical interludes, Topper Moss had once said something about a butterfly flapping its wings and causing a hurricane halfway around the globe. Of course, the butterfly had no idea what it was doing. It was an insect. It was just living its life. It did not mean to wipe out that island village, all those poor people. What if Kyle had never shot himself in the foot? What if he had not had that last beer at the link before the Lions Club demo, trying to dull his awareness, on the eve of Valentine's Day, that his wife no longer lived in the same world he did, but in a terrifying hell where she was always on the verge of losing half her family? What if he had tried harder to reassure Jackie about the meaning of the Challenger explosion, so she hadn't jumped every time the refrigerator started loudly to defrost itself, clutching him or a nearby table as if to beg the Lord, Not yet! Going even further back, what if he'd taken up running with her so she had not gotten lost on that foggy afternoon and wound up in the hands of Esther and company? He could have at least told Jackie from the get-go that he accepted Jesus and made Katie tell her the same. What would have been the harm? Some lies were better than the truth. Jackie would have relaxed, and then Kyle could have relaxed, too. Then he might not have shot himself, or, inspired by his fleeting fame, quit his job. Then Jackie would never have gone to work at Carlsmart. She would not have met Harry, learned what a real man was at last, and fallen for him. Without Jackie and Molly, C.E.D. would never have gotten off the ground. Harry Ricker had said so himself at his Christmas party. Had Kyle not shot himself in the foot, this insane city might never have existed. Was it possible? Was Kyle the butterfly of Christmastown? These days the butterfly spent his waking hours, and actually his sleeping ones, in the game room. He was pretty sure Jackie had designed it herself to make him feel at home. Like a casino, it was a noisy place, with flashing pinball machines and blooping video arcade games, along with a pool table, ping-pong table, and dartboard. Rows of shelves held decks of cards, board games, and Mad Libs. It wasn't clear who he was supposed to play these games with. Jackie tried to encourage him nonetheless. Kyle, have you tried the pool table? Kyle, didn't you used to like to play darts? But he was not interested. He had given up. On everything. Kyle's beautifully painted, lushly upholstered van sat inside the five-car garage next to Jackie's new gold BMW. The Reliant had gone straight to the Malpaso junkyard in Morton, with only a stifled groan from Kyle by way of farewell. Even his hair had grown back into an untended smear. The shaved head had suggested purpose, and he had none. So, as the arcade games flashed and pinged all around him, Kyle lay on the couch watching TV. The weird frontier was now on twenty-four hours a day. Like CEDN, it had become a channel, a universe of its own. At the moment, Topper was showing a live feed from a Bigfoot convention in Boise, Idaho. In his thick accent, Klaus Lorenz, the avid tracker, set the ground rules for the next panel. There is to be no discussion, none, of outer space, telepathy, astral projection, sexual probing, subterranean machinery, robots, or spores. The search for Bigfoot is a scientific endeavor on par with finding and identifying the now well-understood platypus. Cryptozoology is a branch of zoology, and it is past time for it to receive respect as such. We have had far too many crackpots at this event already. I hereby say no to crackpots. We will confine our discussion to the science and the science only. On cue, a man rose from the audience. This meticulously groomed person wore a tailored white shirt and navy blue pressed slacks, and could have lent the Enterprise the credibility that Klaus so desired. The only hitch was the short purple cape draped over his shoulders and fastened with a gold chain. I see nothing wrong with exploring the paranormal aspects of Bigfoot, said the man, whose name did not appear on screen. You wouldn't, said Klaus, who obviously had dealt with him before. 
We now know that the apocalypse is coming any day now, and this increased Bigfoot activity cannot be a coincidence. The so-called paranormal events that accompany this activity may well signal the operations of a superior intelligence with telepathic and other powers. Might we surmise that Bigfoot is the next stage of mankind's evolution, who will take over once we are all gone? No, Klaus roared. Professor Bud Zeeb of the University of Eastern Northern California, a man so conflict-averse that his trembling was visible from thirty feet away, stood carefully. Bigfoot is most likely an earlier stage of human evolution, or rather a dead-end branch thereof, a Neanderthal or Gigantopithecus that survived the last ice age, perhaps by dwelling in underground lava caves. The fossil record suggests... Damn the fossil record, said Cape Man. Damn you, Klaus pointed at Cape Man from the lectern. Cape Man was held back from rushing the lectern by his cape. Your time is over, Cape Man coughed as his gold chain tightened at his neck. It was unclear whether he meant Klaus's time on earth or merely the time allotted for his remarks. Clutching his neck, Cape Man turned and shoved the man who was trying to restrain him. Both staggered and fell into a stack of folding chairs. The melee escalated. Klaus hurled a pitcher of water from the stage. Suddenly the camera began moving, following behind as Topper, who had been resting in the back, swam through the rows of shouting men. For Topper, the past year had felt like twenty. His complexion had taken on a yellow cast. He had lost his deadpan demeanor, which some thought ironic, entirely. Only his cockeyed pith helmet identified him. His pursuit of Bigfoot had led him to two inescapable conclusions. One, this was the most important story of all time, and two, absolutely no one else was capable of grasping why. Pausing just below the lectern, he waved a hortatory finger at the fuming Klaus. Klaus Lorenz, he shouted, his voice high and quavering, you are a person who has consistently failed to appreciate the power of myth. Myth, Klaus sputtered, myth? You believe that if something is a myth, it cannot also be real. I say nothing is more real than myth. At this very moment, around the world, people are flagellating themselves in the name of myth. They are starving or singing or building statues or skyscrapers or bombs. They are deciding how to live their lives based on mistranslated stories that are thousands of years old. We make myths out of human beings, call them celebrities, and throw ourselves at them, craving their attention and their blessing. This nation is perhaps the greatest myth of all. America is a story we tell ourselves. I told it to myself as a child in England. Some day I would go to a land of unlimited promise, where people reinvent themselves over and over, where the past is not entombed in stone monuments, but light and flexible, like film, like the very future. Now here I am, living right in the middle of the story and helping to compose it at the same time. We are living in this story, you and I, and all these people here. He waved his arms frantically over the crowd. And out there, too, he flailed toward the camera. What you are missing out on, what you are destroying for everyone, Klaus, is wonder. Topper Moss, you and your disreputable show treat the truth as a dog treats a fire hydrant. Klaus did not so much launch himself into the crowd as bounce into it, his barrel-shaped head leading him straight to Topper. With a cry of truth, he grabbed Topper around the waist and tried to tackle him. Topper's pith helmet fell off, revealing a bony pate ringed with a sad gray fringe. Cape Man hit Klaus in the back with a folding chair. Bud Zeeb tugged weakly at Cape Man's cape from behind, succeeding only in spinning it sideways. Topper extricated himself and struggled, gasping toward the camera. All of you out there, you understand, don't you? It's not just science. It's not just myth. It's the irrepressible pull we all feel toward the unknown, the unsettling, even the impossible. That's what makes us human. Don't you see? I have been trying to show you people your own humanity. I beg you, tell me my work has not been in vain. 
Kyle could have sworn Topper looked right at him with his golf ball-sized eyes. But what could Kyle Majewski, of all humanity, possibly do to help Topper? He could not even get off the couch, let alone reassure a man who lived on television that his whole existence had not been a waste. Poor Topper, he thought. No one listened to him. He had met the fate of all prophets, which is why most kept their mouths shut. On the other hand, Kyle thought, I just won my bet with Katie. Topper really did believe in Bigfoot, though not exactly in the way Kyle expected. He dialed Stick's number, but as usual got his grandfather's answering machine and its slow, confused greeting. He left Katie a message to call him. If precedent held, it would be days before she did so. He set the phone down. He missed his daughter. Daughters. He missed Molly, even though she was right in the next room with her new nanny. Despite Kyle's utter lack of engagements, pressing or otherwise, it had somehow been assumed that he was not to be a major part of Molly's life. Well, he didn't deserve to be, did he? Look at him, and then look at Jackie. Who was the better example for a child to follow?